I told you guys already about three years ago, I think I met Pastor uh, Jarrell and uh, his wife Rebecca, and uh, they're crushing it uh, in Detroit, and uh, we're watching them, and we're praying that we could uh, just learn from them this weekend and, and learn from what they're doing and, and glean from them. We had dinner last night, and uh, they've spoken to my life, and, and tonight they're going to speak some more into my life, and I'm super excited about that, but um, these guys love Jesus. And they love people, not people like them, but all people. Like, we want to love all people at all times, all places. They love all people. They don't have to look like them, act like them, talk like them, but they love everybody. And that's just such an encouragement to me, and that's what churches should be like. And we're, we're glad that we get to yoke up with a, with a church like Hope in Detroit. But can, we do our, can you do me a favor? Can you guys stand to your feet and welcome Pastor Jarrell to what he's going to share with us today? Thanks, man. Amen, amen, amen. Go ahead, guys. You can be seated. I am happy to be here in Florida um, because I left my wife and my six kids back in Michigan. Um, It's 30 degrees. There's snow on the ground, and they have to take care of our little tiny dog. And so I get to be here in 80 degrees, and I'm feeling good. The sun is out. I don't necessarily need to tan, but I'm going to tan a little bit today. I'm feeling good today, man. It is great. It's awesome to be here uh, with you guys. Uh, Just like Wes said, sort of in the framework of of kind of being a sister church, being in this kind of together. And God is just doing some amazing things in Detroit and also uh, here in Winter Garden. We just wanted to come and share and pour out of that. And I could talk about me and my life and uh, some amazing things that God has done for me, for my family, what's going on in Detroit. Um, But we're going to see some of you guys in July. And so when I get the opportunity to go into a church, I just want to kind of leave knowing that God has used us to impact that place. Amen. So I'm not here to talk about me just for a second. If I could just run through some stuff and kind of maybe challenge you, if I got your permission, just to challenge you just a little bit today. I know a lot of times we come to church, we show up to church um, with, the, with the mindset to be encouraged. And encouragement is good. Encouragement heals us. It makes us feel better, makes us feel wonderful. But challenging us pushes us to greatness. Amen. So I'm here to challenge you guys today to be great, to push you into greatness. So I hope I got your permission to challenge you just with something today. We just came out of a series as well called I Love My Church. Believe it or not. We came out of it just a week uh, before you guys. And in that, I, I talked to Wesley and he told me that you guys had just came out of I Love, I Love My Church and you shared some of your core values and stuff and uh, some of the same things. We're going through some of the same things that God has given us opportunity to share the gospel, to see lives change. Um, but how do we kind of empower our people to know that they're carrying something that can absolutely change the world, change somebody's life? Amen. And so that's kind of what we want to challenge challenge you guys with today. So I want to share, I want to start off, I'm going to share with you quick, uh, three quick things that hopefully will get you to a place of understanding that God has placed something special in you that he wants to use to change somebody else's life. Amen. So one of our core values, I'll start off with one of our core values. Since you had eight core values, I think it's a good place to pick up and share one of our core values and kind of get some instruction about what God is doing and trying to do in our life today. Amen. One of our core values is we are two-way players. We are two-way players. and Our core values are weird. They don't make sense. We have to explain them and do all in-depth teaching and stuff. So it says we are two-way players, and it simply says we will be offensive and defensive. We will, we will attack and protect. We will represent 
his balance. Now, this core value, it developed from uh, this terrible, terrible uh, piece of cinematography that touched our film, uh, touched the screen called uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon. Terrible movie. If you've never seen Transformers Dark of the Moon, do yourself a favor and do not watch it. Don't watch it. You know why? Because Optimus Prime gets caught in uh, telephone wires for about a half an hour. And that's Optimus Prime. And so for that reason alone, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. But in that movie, there's this guy, uh, he has this character named by the name of Robert Epps. Robert Epps is played by this this guy named Tyrese. And Tyrese, in this character in Robert Epps, he says this phrase that challenged me, and hopefully it'll challenge you today. He says this phrase, he says, why do the Decepticons always get the good stuff? Now, if you've seen the movie, you know he didn't say the word stuff, but we're in church, right? Why did the Decepticons always get the good stuff? And I found myself asking myself that question. You know what? Why did the bad guys always get the good stuff? Now, my whole life, since I was watching cartoons, since Thundercats and He-Man, like... Like, the bad guys always had the good stuff. The bad guys had the coolest outfits. The bad guys had the best weapons. The bad guys had the, 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 the dopest headquarters. Can I say dopest today? Okay. The bad guys had the dopest headquarters. They had the flyest clothes. And seemingly, if you watch a, a, a spy movie, 007 fans in here today, you watch a 007, why the bad guys, they, they seem to get the coolest partners and the coolest women. Why do the bad guys always get the good stuff? That one little uh, question, the answer to that question, it began to reshape my thinking of how I kind of seen ministry uh, in sort of a way, believe it or not, because the answer that I found once I started digging into it is this. The bad guys, believe it or not, they were always in pursuit of something. They were always in pursuit of something. They always wanted to get some diamond or some money or kidnap some person to get a diamond, to get the money, to sell that, to get the weapon, to take over the world, right? But they were always in the pursuit of something, while the good guys were always simply protecting what they already had, right? The bad guys, they always, we we want more, we got to do more, we got to pursue, 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 and the bad guys are sitting there, there, protect, protect. This is ours and we have to protect it. Here's what I discovered. In church, in Christendom, we are very, very good at protecting our faith. We are very, very good at protecting the fact that God set us free. We are very, very good at defending the word of God. We will defend it. We'll fight you tooth and nail. Don't let somebody say something about our faith on Facebook. Oh, boy, boy, don't you talk about my Jesus. We'll defend it with everything that's in us. But we don't do such a good job of sharing that faith. We don't do such a good job of sharing that love. We don't do such a good job in finding opportunities to pursue people that are hurt, to pursue people that are broken, to pursue people that need love, just like we do, to pursue people that's messed up and jacked up, just like us. We, we, we do a great job of protecting, but not an awesome job of pursuing. And so you look and you see that the bad guys are always acting, never reacting. They're always the cause and never the effect. And God wants to challenge us today. Hey, believers, shouldn't you be the cause and not the effect? 
Shouldn't you be the one that's carried, that understands that you carry the cross? Shouldn't you be the one that say, no, we don't want to wait for bad things to happen in somebody's life to try to rescue them. We want to go out and reach them now. Right? We want to do it right now. So here's the question that I had to ask myself, and I pose this question to you today. Why aren't we always the offensive attack mode people that we should be? We should always be in this offensive attack mode, always be in this place. And it's like, oh, he's been talking already for too long without sharing a scripture. Here's a scripture. I'm a fan of the Bible. I love it through and through. Jesus goes to this place. He walks seven days, right? I'm going to share with you some stuff that's been a blessing to me and some stuff that I've gotten from other people that's been a blessing to me. And hopefully it'll change your life. He walks for seven days to get to this place called Caesarea Philippi. Right? He walks uphill to this place to get to this place called Caesarea Philippi. This place, Caesarea Philippi, the nickname of that place is literally called the Gates of Hell. The reason it's called the Gates of Hell is because that's where all the messed up, worst, raggediest, biggest sinners of all times would go to the Gates of Hell, Caesarea Philippi, and they would go there. Jesus spent seven days walking foot uphill to go to that place with his disciples and he poses a few questions to his disciples when he gets there he asks them who do people say that I am and he asks them one of the questions that you should have the answer to that should change your life who do you say that I am and they begin to say answers and, and say these things and then Simon Peter opens his mouth and he says this phrase he says I believe that you are the Messiah the son of the living God now that phrase right there the Messiah the son of the living God literally this is Peter literally saying that I believe that you are the hope of the world I believe Jesus I believe that you are the hope of the world Jesus says oh my goodness this boy is on or something listen He tells Simon Peter, no one shared that with you. No flesh told that to you. No no man revealed that to you. Only the Father can reveal that to you. And then he opens his mouth and he says this to Simon Peter in Matthew 16 and 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, that word rock right there is translated as statement. It means statement. He says that on this statement, what statement? The statement that Peter just said, that you are the hope of the world. Jesus said that on the statement that I am the hope of the world, I will build my church. And standing outside of Caesarea Philippi, this place that's called the gates of hell, you can just imagine Jesus turning and pointing at the entrance of this place and saying, and the gates of hell, Caesarea Philippi, the place where the messed up, jacked up, worst sinners are, that place will not be able to keep us out. You have to wrap your mind around the impact of that simple statement. That the place where the bad people are, where the sinners are, the place where the messy, jacked up people like us are hang out at, that place, those people will not be able to keep us out. They will not prevail. In other words, we're supposed to be on the offense. In other words, we're supposed to be the ones that's attacking. One translation literally says that we should be a church so expansive with energy that the gates of hell will not be able to keep us out. Listen, guys, you should be a group of people so expansive with energy that no one will be able to keep out this love that you carry. 
No one will be able to keep out the hope of the world that you carry around every single day. Well, how does that make sense to the core value? Here's how it makes sense. There are some bad movies like Transformers, but then there's good movies like Lord of the Rings, right? Frodo, Sam Wise, they're on a mission, right? And in their mission, they are in pursuit of something while the rest of their team are protecting. When you look at God's word, he gave us one offensive weapon. That's the word of God. And all of the rest of the weapons that he gives us is defensive. In other words, what? We should pursue and protect We should be two-way players. When Jesus, at this moment, gives his outline about what the church should look like, he doesn't say that we should be a passive-minded institution waiting to be attacked, but we should be an offensive-minded group of people full of love, attacking people that are lost, hurt, and broken, just like me and you. Amen? Now, how does any of of that work? Because that's step one. Here's step two. This is, this is how it begins to work. You ever had some stuff happen to you that you just had to share? I got just, oh, this is so good. I just have to share this because it's so good, and I cannot let this uh, be, be passed up. Some stuff you see, some stuff you hear, some stuff you experience that you just got to share, right? Like when I seen this movie right here, when I seen this movie, I had to share it. You know why? Because Maximus is the man. When I first seen Gladiators, I walked around the house with my chest poked out for a week. And I would just talk, Maximus! I love this movie. When I seen it, I had to share it with somebody. Some of you, you don't like that. That's a little too gory for you. Maybe you're like my wife and you like this movie right here. Right? And when you seen that movie, and I... I ain't going to give you the vocals today. Right? When you seen that movie, you just had to share it with somebody. Like, my wife loves this movie. Did you see the girl, girl, did you see the way Kevin Costner just grabbed her and protected her? And I'm looking like, well, I'm right here. You know, I'm still right here. I'll beat Kevin Costner down. Right? But she absolutely loves this movie. There are some things that you see that you can't hold back that you just absolutely have to share with people. There are some things that you hear, and when you hear it, you just absolutely, you can't contain yourself. You have to share it with people. Like when I heard this right here, when I heard this, when I heard this, I said, I got to tell somebody about this. Now, I shouldn't be talking about Bieber. I know I, I, I don't look like the type that should be dancing and grooving to Bieber, but Bieber's got street cred. Because Bieber make hits. When I heard this, I said, oh, this is the new jam. I got to tell somebody sorry in a new way, right? But there's some stuff that you experience. You experience some things and you just got to share it with some people like this right here. When I experienced this, I had to share it. You got my ice cream? Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you something. Listen, y- y'all wonder, this how I'm, I, I, yeah, I've been married for 21 years. I got uh, six kids, two grandkids, and a dead body, right? I got my dead body. I'm not even an ice cream fan. I'm not even an ice cream man. But that right there came into my life. Somebody at our church, a member at our church, invited us over for dinner And she scooped that into a bowl, and my life has never been the same. I promise you, Jesus, the Easter Bunny, and Santa Claus make this stuff somewhere. I don't even know how to pronounce that. (laughs) But it changed my life. 
Listen, y'all going to go to the store. You better take a picture of it now because you don't know how to pronounce it either. You going to go buy that ice cream today. It's going to change your life. Y'all going to be at Publix trying to get some Dose de Le so. <laughs> going to change your life. Change your life. But there are some things that you see and you hear that you have to tell somebody about. There's these guys named Peter and John. They, 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 they said that same statement in this way. Check it out in God's word in Acts chapter 4 and 20. They said this. They said, as for us, and this is our prayer for you guys because it's our prayer for our church during this season. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen or heard. Why did Peter and John get to this moment? They get to this moment because in Acts 1 and 15, uh, Peter says that there was 120 faithful people. That's it. I don't know how many we got in this room, but I'll guess it's about 120 or so, right? There was 120 faithful people who believed God, who trusted God, who knew that he was the hope of the world, who knew that they was the carriers of that hope, and they decided to do something. Peter, in Acts chapter 2, he shares the gospel for the first time. And in verse 41, it says that the first time that the gospel was ever shared, that 3,000 people was added to the church that day. The church went from 120 people to 3,120 people the first time that the hope of the world was ever shared. Why? Because 120 people knew that they had something special. 120 people refused to keep it on the inside. Peter and John, they go out and they're doing amazing works. They go out and they do all of this stuff. And the Sadducees, the people who crucified Jesus, they say, no, you cannot, no, you can no longer go out doing these works in the name of Jesus. You cannot do that. Paul and uh, Peter and John say, well, wait, should we listen to you or should we listen to him? And this is their response. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Listen, guys, you should not want to hold this in. You should want to pour this out with everything that's in you. Why? Why? Because God has chosen you. 120 people. There's no plan B in spreading the love of Christ. There's no plan B in spreading the hope of Christ. How, is, how are we going to change the word? I'm going to give it to you, and you're going to carry it. You're going to carry it. One other thing about me and Time, and we were talking the other just last night, and one of the things we do with our team is that we, we have given ourselves a name. We are the givers. We are the givers, and God wants you to be the givers. Yes, there are moments and times where you can be the receivers, but you have to give out what you receive. Right? You are the givers of this special, special gift. Now, what is being said in that one little verse? In that one little, we, we cannot hold this. We cannot keep this to ourselves. We can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard. There's three things that they get out of this. I, I'm closing, guys, because I want to be punctual, right? Derek, they took up all of my time. Is that okay? And I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of being punctual, right? And I, I just want to, is that okay? If I go through, so listen. Listen, three quick things that you get get out of this verse. One, you find out that Peter and John decided that they were going to put their conviction over their convenience. We're going to put our conviction over our convenience. Listen, it's, it's not convenient to talk about Jesus. It's not convenient to like... 
There's not going to be, you're, you're sitting around waiting for this magical moment to share the hope of the world with someone. It, there's never going to be this convenient, perfect time. But Peter and John make a decision to say that our convictions are greater than our convenience. In other words, I am convicted that I do carry the hope of the world. I am convicted that this is his plan for changing people's lives. I am convicted that no one can get to God except through Jesus Christ and my neighbor, my friend, the people that I work with, the people at my school. They'll never, ever know that if I don't share it with them. Well, I don't do a good job sharing it with her. I don't do a good job doing it. But if I never get them to the place where I know it's going to be shared, the greatest thing you can ever do when you don't know what to say is get them around some people who know what to say. And that place is called church. That place is called church. Peter and John, they step up and they also say, you know what, we value faith over fear. In order to say what they said, we value faith over fear. Listen, I get fearful when it comes to sharing this hope. I get fearful sometimes. Every time me and my wife go out, we always leave an invite card uh, for our waitress. And and sometimes you get fearful in doing those things. You get fearful in in inviting people and letting people know that there's something good and great and awesome for them that can change their life. You get fearful in those moments but I value my faith over my fear. I value my faith over my nervousness. I value my faith over what people are going to say and think about me. And because I know what I carry, I have to share it. I have to share it. And the last thing that you see that Peter and John, that they get out of, that, that we get out of this verse and them being able to say, we can't hold this. We have to tell somebody about what we've seen, what we've heard. And we want somebody to experience it. They say, we have to value our compassion over criticism. We have to value our compassion over criticism. Well, what, did that, what does that mean? What does that, what does that look like? You guys serve coffee here. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I know there's tons of people who drink coffee. You come in to Hope Winter Garden, you get you a hot cup of joe. The second you get that hot cup of coffee, could you imagine somebody walking up to you and bumping you and this hot cup of coffee spills on you? Now, some of us, we ain't been saved for that long. What's going to be your reaction? (laughs) A hot cup of coffee. I'm not going to tell you what you're going to say or do, but you know what you might say or do if this hot cup of coffee and you turn around and what if you turn around in that moment and that person that you turn around to yell at and be upset at and the the curse out and all of this stuff, what if that person was blind? When you have a little bit more compassion towards them, wouldn't you move differently if you knew that they didn't mean to do it Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbeliever so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Listen, friends, 
The world doesn't need more criticism. It needs some compassion. Why? Because they're blinded. I know some of us in here, we've been with Christ for a long time, but I'm telling you, if you can just remember back to that moment when you didn't know, you'll find yourself having a little more compassion towards that person. What person? That person that the scripture says is, has been blinded and they cannot see the light that is found in the hope of the world in Jesus Christ. I want you to be encouraged, but I came to challenge you today that you are the carriers of that hope. And there's somebody that you know that will never, ever know that hope unless it comes through you. Unless it comes through you. There's a statistic that says only 2% of churchgoers in a year's time share about their church, share about this hope of Christ. I think that there's some churches that take more of that 2% than other churches. Here's my prayer, that churches like Hope Detroit and Hope Winter Garden represent 90% of the 2%. That we become the type of people that understand that 82% of people who are invited to church come at some point in time. You don't believe me? Remember my brother Timon? His mom invited and invited and invited why because she loved her son and she knew that her son needed the hope for this world you are the carrier of change a person's life is one invite away from changing forever and that person that you know that's saying I can't come to your church man I'm sorry I don't believe in God You can come to my church. You don't have to believe in God to come to my church. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of churches like this. You might be sitting here today and don't believe. We love you, followers of Christ and non-followers. And like we get to come together and search out truth and make decisions together. Amen. Come on, guys. If you mind, if I pray for you, I would love for you to stand up and let's pray. Dr. West. Listen, you guys have amazing pastors. I have never, one of the greatest qualities that you can ever find in a pastor is deep, deep levels of honesty. When I sat with Wes, every time I sit with him, my mouth is like, did he just say that? You're not supposed to say that, bro. And I, tell, I left them last night, and, and it's just so refreshing to be around people that just say the truth, say it like it is, and that challenges us. You've been challenged today. God, we thank you and praise you for who you are. We accept the challenge that's been given to us, God. We want to protect your word, God, but we want to pursue opportunities in sharing it. We want to protect our faith, God, but we want to pursue opportunities in sharing our faith, God. 
we thank you and we praise you that what you've given to us, what we've seen and what we've heard, that we will not be able to not share it, that we won't be able to speak, not speak about it. We have to speak about your love. We have to speak about the hope that's found in you, God. And we thank you and we praise you for this world that we know to be lost. Let us be people of compassion. Even in these times, God, where we are worked up, God, and we feel passionate about things that people should do and shouldn't do, I thank you that we will remember the blind place that we were in. That we will love man the way that you love man to the point that you sent your only to die in place of his sins. But I pray for each and every person who are standing in this room who accepts that challenge today, I pray that you would begin to overwhelm their life with passion, love. Show them who you are in an amazing way simply because they decided to say yes. Simply because they decided to be the carriers of the cross. Simply because they decided that it was better to be the givers than the receivers. We give your name praise and glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name.